Hello, this is Chris O'Regan, and you're listening to The Sausage Factory. This is episode 206 of The Sausage Factory, a show where we interview video game developers about them and the games they make. In this episode, I chat to Zachary Johnson, Tommy Sunders, and Robert Frost of Space Mace about their couch co-op runner, Joggernauts. But before I do that, I'd like to tell you about the other two shows under the Kane and Rince banner. There is, of course, Kane and Rince podcast, where they delve deep into video games of old and new in fact, the most recent episode talks about ghouls and goblins. Was it ghosts and goblins? No, ghouls and goblins. Because that's the sequel to Ghosts and Goblins. Anyway, that uh, come out sort of contemporary to this show. Highly, highly recommended. And they delve deep into how you can solve that ridiculously difficult game. Then, of course, there's Sound of Play. That's where scores of music... Four video games that we all listen to in the background as we're playing these games are actually given some prominence, served up in a nice neat package of an hour-long play. Highly, highly recommend that show too. Now, Kenimins comes out on Monday and Sound of Play comes out on Wednesday. And of course, The Sausage Factory you listen to now comes out on a Friday. You can find all of these shows and, and many other items, including blog posts, and a whole vast forum you can join as well, which is active. I know, rare, but it is active. At caneandrince.com. You can also search for all the three podcasts and using your podcast catcher application of choice. And finally, there's Patreon. If you want to chuck a dollar a month, just one dollar, it's about 77 pence in English money. Or should I say British money? Anyway, uh, um, if you, yeah, just once a month, uh, at least a dollar, you actually get extra content, unique extra content, which is um, lovely, really. Examples of which are extended versions of Cane and Rinse. They're, they're, normally they're edited down to two hours, but if you want extended versions of, of those, and you just go on for three hours about really difficult platform games, knock yourself out. Just give us a dollar a month. And uh, you'll be rewarded with not only extended versions of Candy Rinse, but also platform specials. We've got Mega Drive, uh, the stuff that came out, and now there's PlayStation, which is currently exclusively available to Canaan Rinse Patreons. So if you want to just chuck just one dollar a month, there's no more. If you want to give more, it's your, your, your lookout. But if the very minimum is one dollar, that's all we ask, and you get extra stuff. Now, that's out of the way. Let's move on to the show. So, first question, always the easiest question. Zach, Tommy and Rob, please tell us, 
who you are and what do you do? All right. Well, this is Zach. I'm uh, Zach Johnson. And uh, there's a there's another uh, awesome video game designer who's also named Zach Johnson that we make a lot of jokes about of being the other Zach Johnson or Z- Zach Johnson Prime or such things. I'm the Zach Johnson that made Joggernauts with these two guys, and uh, I do programming and level design primarily. I'm also kind of uh, the de facto producer for our small studio. Tommy. How about you, Tommy? Um, I'm Tommy Sunders. Um, I'm a <coughs> game artist and designer on Joggernauts. Um, yeah. Yeah. Rob? <laughs> <clears throat> uh, I'm Robert Frost. Uh, no relation to the poet. Um, I thought you were the poet's uncle. <laughs> and I did uh, music and sound and VO and streamer relations stuff and social media and video and all sorts of random stuff for Joggernauts. But mostly in the game, music and sound effects and VO. So it's your fault then. I'm just saying. Um, yeah, it's my fault. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's absolutely my fault. <laughs> there are things that we need to discuss, but not now. We're not going to throw <laughs> ourselves too far ahead. But yeah, words need to be said. Um, good words, mainly. No, yeah, all good, all good words. So before we delve into that, next question. Here's our start to ramp up. How did you make your start making video games? So you can all uh, each answer yeah. that. Yeah. You can go as far back as you like. Like, I was a fetus and I had a Commodore 64 in there. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I remember, uh, you know, my dad was fond of video games. He didn't play a lot of them, but he liked to, like, have the system and play a bit with us kids. And he, we had, like, a ColecoVision, and that thing was freaking cool. Um, so that's how far back I go. But I primarily, like, was playing a lot of the original 8-bit Nintendo uh, games and so I was really curious how the heck anyone could make such a thing and spend a lot of time drawing games on paper and I discovered like uh, QBasic on a PC when I was probably about 11, 12 and um, kind of taught myself how to program for the purposes of trying to make some of those hand-drawn like ideas come to life. Um, so I mean both like my career in programming and my uh, experience with game development goes back to kind of that putzing around as a kid for me. Nice. Not unusual for uh, people in the UK because we didn't have the NES, we had uh, NES, whatever you bloody call it. Um, we had we had little eight bit computers. I'm sure you know about this now. Um, yeah, yeah. So we we didn't have the barrier <laughs> like how did we make this? Oh wait, <laughs> there's the keyboard. We must have used that then. Yeah, right. <laughs> Strange grey box. So. Uh, yeah, Tommy, tell us, how did you make your start making flashy, lighty video games? Um, it's, I mean, if we go back, yeah, I grew up playing all sorts of stuff on like NES and Super Nintendo Genesis, whatever. Mm. But uh, I specifically, because I had a bunch of interest in this, my parents sent me to a camp, like summer program thing, where they were trying to teach uh, like how to program and how to make games. <laughs> And I found out through that that I absolutely hate programming and have no interest in it. So then I didn't make a game for the next 15 years of my life. <laughs> so um, it wasn't until I was already like an adult, I got into doing a lot of like web design and like apps and stuff. 
which led to making mobile games. I realized my avenue in was not programming, but doing the other stuff that makes it pretty and work and thinking about how it works. Um, so yeah, it was one of those, like the programming scared me away for a really long time. And then I re- realized as an adult that you don't have to know how to code to make a game. There's a whole bunch of other things you can do. Yeah. Historically, you were right. You did need to code. Even worse, you had to know assembly. But that was thousands of years ago. Seriously. There was no, there, there was, there was no high-level languages. Everything done on the NES was an assembly. It was horrifying. So, yes, I can get, the you know. But you're right. Now, um, the actual input of other mediums, which is what I marvel about video games when you hear about musicians banging on about spending two to three years, maybe even longer, making an album. Like, really? Video game people are just like, oh, that's a thing that has to be part of the whole and it, they just they do it in less time what's wrong with you they take <laughs> drugs i don't know um but no you're right it's uh, video game creation is nothing like uh you know programming is a is a vital means to an end uh sort of be all and end all rob yeah um i mean i have a similar story to tommy like i i started playing um, I'm a little younger than these guys. So, I mean, I played Super Nintendo, but I, I, and I loved it, but I really got into like PlayStation. Um, I was like, that was like my first console that I really remember, um, games really sticking to my head. Um, and then <clears throat> similar to Tommy, like I, I kind of put my games away, you know, when I, I mean, I never really stopped playing games, but I, you know, when I was in college and stuff, I, I didn't really think about games very much. And it wasn't until I graduated um, from uh, music school and had like uh, my band had like broken up and I was sad because I was like, what am I going to do now? And then I thought to myself, like, man, what would it what I really want to make music for games? Like, I just got this in my head one day and I just it it was like six years ago and I just never really stopped. So I just, uh, yeah. So I, it kind of just happened by, I don't know. Like I just started calling myself a game composer and I'd start getting gigs. <laughs> it was, it was, it was weird. <laughs> one, one of the, one of the kind sister shows, uh, or one say sister shows is we have three shows under our umbrella. It was called sound of play. We basically mm-hmm. have people showcasing music from games, like you would in a, in, in a like a desert island disc, if you will. But people actually writing in and saying, "This track's awesome. We should play it." And people play it and talk about yeah. about the show. So I highly recommend you have a listen. It's going on for about a little, little yeah. younger than this show. Uh, they're about 163 episodes in now, but um, highly recommend it. Yeah, sound of play. I'm sure yeah. we can feature one of your pieces. I'll, oh, I'll, that'd be great. I'll let Leon know. And also, we have composers on as guests. So you can actually come on and chat about your own personal, yeah. um, you know, work you've done and all the work of others as well. So yeah, yeah. It's, uh, yeah sound of play, check it out. Um, yeah, and uh, but no, it's it's a wonderful story. That again, the PlayStation for me because I'm hundred years old was like, huh, this is weird. Uh, I'll just stick to the PC for now. I just, idiot, idiot. There did nothing wrong with PC at the time, but I did almost miss the boat until someone gave me a slap around the head going, what are you doing? Gran Turismo? Oh, yeah. Sorry. I'm an idiot. Uh, I didn't play Gran Turismo until PlayStation 3. 
Or no, PlayStation. No, I played the third one. I right. played the third Gran Turismo. I love that game. It was so good. No, my brother and I played two relentlessly because it had damage on it, you see. So. Random yeah. speed. You know? <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, so yeah. good. I love and, that game. Yeah, and the PlayStation Classics on its way. I'm not sure what to make of that. I think the yeah. lack of uh, dual, um, dual analog sticks is like, what are you doing? What the- <laughs> that is Why? weird. Why? That didn't make any sense at all. But, oh well, you know, there's there's like, you know, most of the library of games that are worth anyone's attention gone. Like, okay, whatever. But, uh, yes. Excellent. Well, enough reminiscing. Let's uh, talk about your creative juices now. So this next question, I told you it gets harder, um, is very difficult to answer because it's so nebulous. And every time I try to... Um, Put it into a box; it sort of jumps out. So I'm going to give it. I'm going to give it a go. And it's a cat. You're asking us about a cat? No, that's not a cat. That's right. No, it could be a cat, but it's not about a cat. Uh, or like, oh yeah, the worst one. Do you have any pets? No. no, it's not that. It's not that. So it's really asking you all three of you, as a studio, really, uh, as as space mates as you are. Um, what do you think? Your what are the biggest influences you have in your creative endeavors? Ooh, it'd be interesting to think about that, the three of us together, whether there's like, you know, once we became this like assembled Voltron thing, whether we like had some shared influences um, from from like my perspective, what I brought to Space Mace, um, my influences are like a lot of, um, and I think Tommy will say some of the same stuff, like a lot of 90s cartoons um, and, you know, uh, specific games like would be, um, like Bit Trip Runner and Katamari Damacy. Um, I, I like stuff that is like visually colorful. I like stuff that's kind of weird. Um, I don't know. Like I grew up playing so many games, but I kind of didn't really ramp up into the like twin stick 3D first person consoling era. And so I don't play like a lot of those like traditional 3d games from AAA studios i play more like if i'm playing 3d it's probably like fixed camera or like racing um so some of my influences are kind of like pretty retro because of that i think yeah i mean i do get a feeling of a vib ribbon going on as well um in in jogonauts but uh that, that's it i'm not sure if it came out in north america did it but strange playstation game we run on a little ribbon that sounds amazing. I'm not familiar with that. Yeah, it sounds a, up my alley, though. Yeah, it's basically you. You it goes. What you could do is you could wrote the game and you could put your own music CD in. Then it would change the Whoa. level based on the music nice. that you were playing. It's way ahead of its time. Yeah, that's <laughs> uh, cool. Uh, sure. It's called Rib Ribbon. It came out in Japan and Europe. It's one of the very, very rare games. Not rare that made it. Just to be clear, one of the rare games <laughs> that came out. Uh, it's like um, like Nintendo. Mez, there were a couple of games like that as well. Come out in Japan and Europe, but not America. I know, weird, but um, Elite is a good example of that. Elite on the NES uh, came out, mm. but not in North America because I think you, didn't, you weren't familiar with the game. You are now, but back then they said, "Well, there's no, there's no market for this." Right. Yeah. But yeah, Viv Ribbon, check it out. It's it's not aged well uh, in regards to not visuals because it was this little stick man, but right. um, it's really in terms of gameplay mechanics, design. You, it's a bit unforgiving. Uh, which you know, you and I, we all know it, that doesn't work no more. That doesn't doesn't wash. Uh, you have to ramp up, not straight away, because that's just horrible. 
But uh, no, I can see the any, any other rest of you? Do you think there's a, a collective mindset, a hive mind, or is it more individual pitching in <coughs> and somehow manages to merge together? Um, I think our our shared pool of knowledge, at least through Zach and I, less on Rob's end because he was not a Nintendo kid, is just a lot of Nintendo stuff, specifically like Mario 3 and Super Mario World. Um, and some of the new Super Mario Brothers, when it came to designing stuff in Joggernauts, like Zach and I would be like, what did they do in Mario? They solved this problem already. So it was a lot of like, what did they do to solve this? Okay, what's the what's the uh, Joggernauts version of that? Because they, they got us 90% there, and then we have to twist it into working in our game. Um, so I think that was how everything came back to a lot of older 2d mario stuff you um, also had this like shared experience of having like played games on a couch with friends like two-player super nintendo and stuff or n64 as kids and like had this shared pain of like if you sit down to play you know mortal Kombat or smash brothers or something with a friend and they're a casual player it's not fun for either of you because you just destroy them every time and that gets old for both of you um and so we're like trying to not repeat that with Joggernauts was like a, a heavy like influence that that like friend co-play influence yeah I mean oddly enough like I I played a lot of games like I was really into like Final Fantasy and like story story driven like RPGs and um, stuff like that so I I feel like when I played a game um, it was with like my brother and we'd play together. So it was like, it basically was cooperative. Um, like, you know, I would find some stuff and then, you know, fight a boss and I'd be like, okay, now you try. So it was like, <clears throat> it's, it wasn't designed to be like that, but like, it was a lot of fun to be like, oh my gosh, you remember when that happened in the game? It was so cool. Um, so yeah, I mean, I feel like <clears throat> that experience is so it's so awesome like to have someone else share the experience like that with you, especially for the first time you're playing a game that like, you know, no one else has experienced really. Um, and back, you know, in 1997, you know, it was like, it was kind of hard to like communicate to other people about like some new game that you played um, unless they were local or you had, you know, you called friends over the phone or whatever. And, uh, like there wasn't as as robust of like a social media presence as there is now, so it, it felt like you were playing this game all by, all by yourself with your friends. Um, that, that was a cool that was a cool thing. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's quite interesting how social media people think has been around for forever. No, no seriously, it hasn't. Um, you know, it wasn't. It's only been ten years since it really sort of took over. Prior to that, mm-hmm. it was basically forums. Um, that's where people yeah. would, would, would gravitate around. Uh, but you're right; the shared experience is so so valuable. And uh, uh, I can count uh, many occasions when I think most recent, most recent, uh, most memorable one because I played Broforce with three others. And, sure. Uh, yeah. That's just I remember, more, I remember most about that. It's not so much the game itself; it's how much we were laughing, mm-hmm. we were watching. And what yeah. we're doing? So who's that? I don't know. Just <laughs> go with it. 
Someone said at one point, I think we've reached maximum bro-pacity. We can't do this anymore. Oh, my God. <laughs> and then at which point, again, we stopped playing and laughing too hard because we didn't know what bro-pacity meant, but it was obviously something. <laughs> so, yes, yeah, so I think that's a wonderful thing to be inspired by, to bring people together via their experiences of having a shared experience. That's, mm. that's, that's highly laudable, so thank you. So... <laughs> My next question is, um, again, this one's difficult to answer as well, not because it's difficult to actually answer itself, but you don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. That's right. And it's still not about a cat, just to be clear. Uh, Cats don't have feelings. No, no they're, just, they're just murdering evil things <laughs> that blink a few times and judge, I've noticed. Um, <laughs> not that I own a cat. I did many when I was a kid. Um, what? So this, each one of you can answer this. It's not a collective hive mind thing, so that's good. What developer do you most admire in the industry, and why? Mm, what developer do I most admire? Uh, I mean, I kind of like fanboy out a little bit about Keita Takahashi, who did um, Katamari Damacy. Um, like that game, like. I mean, I played a lot of games growing up and then kind of fell off the wagon and everything for a little while, like seemed like everything was a different, like, you know, shoot 'em up war game. Like it was just, everything was Counter-Strike, everything was Call of Duty. And I was just kind of over it. I was like, this is like a field of sameness. Like it might be a different war, but it's the same game. And somebody showed me Katamari Damacy and it just like blew my freaking mind. Like it was so different. And and it was so new and and technologically interesting, but also like felt like created those same emotions of like games as a kid, the like playfulness and the like irreverence. And um, you know, I've always like that like kind of sing that game kind of single handedly brought me back into video games. Um and so I, I think his like ability to play in his creating of games that you, you then go on to play is just really remarkable yeah you can't understate the impact that game had you just can't uh, yeah it, people think you know it's the, the the usual suspects granted those had a major impact as well but it's the weird stuff basically ask the question can i do weird stuff and get away with it yes mm-hmm. <laughs> yes you can and that's okay you know, one of my favorite games uh, a couple of years ago there's Hotline Miami. It's bonkers. Oh, yeah. Absolutely bonkers. <laughs> you describe the game, you try to pitch the game to someone, and they would ask you to leave the building, possibly <laughs> the country. You're disturbed, get out of this, get out. But, you know, it's one of the most celebrated games of all time. Well, all time, but it is highly, rightly so. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's like, it's making love one called Waffham, isn't it, or something, or... Yes, that's right. Yeah, and uh, features a mayor who's got a hat on and he dances. I don't know. Uh, it's all very strange. Of course it is. And that's fine. <laughs> you just have to you have to buy into it. And once you buy into it and understand that not everything is a, a clone of Half-Life, which is, we all know now, is 20 years old this, this year. It's hard to imagine. But, yeah, it's oh, 20, my God. It's 20 years ago. that Yeah, there are adults now that were born when that... Yeah, it's best not to... People on the verge of being able to drink in North America. They already have been for the last two years in 
most rest of the world, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, North America, Nick and Nick, yeah. So, yeah, it's almost old enough to drink. That's that's half life for you. But uh, wow. yeah, that's a, that's a great, great, great answer. Tommy, what's who's who's the thing? Who's the developer you think carry on doing what you're doing? That'll be great. Thanks. Um, not to crap on all the amazing indies and creative people out that's there, right. but. Uh, Everything Bethesda does, except for this new film, which I have zero. <laughs> yes. Um, Apart from that. I, I, I love getting lost for a half a year of my life in a living world like that. It's, I don't know, it's something that like each time a new game comes out, I'm like, absolutely, let's go. And then like, I dive into it and I forget anything else exists even forever come back out and like the the depth and richness and like creating your own stories within it and all of that i mean the bugs are fun too once you start to learn (laughs) (laughs) but since i think uh oblivion was the first thing of theirs i played and after like i don't know the first day i was like holy shit like once i understood that it wasn't just like well you gotta walk to the end and you know you'll beat the boss and like i really grasped the scale of everything i don't know it's they, they always got my money <laughs> it's, it is quite terrifying I, I, again because i'm a thousand years old i still remember playing daggerfall going this, this is this this can't hold itself together and in many cases <laughs> it didn't but it was just like you mean i can actually do anything uh, okay, let's try and finagle this thing to see if I can get past this thing to do the other thing. And you know, it's so easy to get overwhelmed. And uh, uh, my way of dealing with it is: uh, is there a mission? Yeah, go, Just go, <laughs> go. Right. Good news, bad news is like that idea is so exciting that like all the AAA stuff is leaning in that direction. Which is awful for someone who doesn't have any time to play video games. No. <laughs> like I'm like, I would love to play Red Dead 2. That looks like oh, I don't have that kind of time. No, it's just <laughs> like that the cowboy game, as we as people call it. It's just like, yes, that's this is sixty hours. Sorry, sixty hours. What? Not name any other medium where you describe and praise the fact that it's gonna take you sixty <laughs> hours of your time. It's like if someone said, oh, how long is this film? Oh, it's good, uh, 70 hours. What? <laughs> to watch it in bounce or something? No, it's just, you take off a week of work. Yeah, like, yeah. War, you know, war and peace. Granted, that's a whole, that's a bit of a tome. It's actually, no, it is a tome. You know, that's the closest I can think of. But no, we're a medium that actually measures uh, as one of its quant- qualities is apparently length of play. Very strange. People are getting a freaking deal for their dollar. <laughs> they and... really, really are at the at the cost of uh, someone's health. That's yeah, a, absolutely. That's a discussion for another time, not this one. Okay, but the, but but there's dead. Despite what's happened with um, seventy six, what you know, I'm sure they'll fix it eventually. But you know. I'm glad they're experimenting. It's been, yes. they've been the same thing for so long. I'm glad they're trying something new. Now go back and make the next Skyrim for me, please. Yeah, that'd be great. I mean, they can add another 80 gig update and it'll probably be fixed, right? Oh, anyway, Rob, what can you tell <laughs> us? Uh, what developer do you nod your yeah. nod, nod to and say, yep, keep doing your thing? 
Well, it's kind of interesting. Well, first of all, I, I didn't really follow uh, a developer, quote unquote, uh, until more recently. Like I, I didn't really I didn't really realize that uh, <laughs> there was a person behind. I mean, I, I knew that, you know, someone had to make this, but I didn't I didn't follow names or I I usually followed games by their music. Um, <clears throat> and. You know, the reason I loved Final Fantasy so much was like Nabu or Ometsu. Like I I loved his music so much that pretty much any Final Fantasy game was like my jam. Like I just loved him because I could just, you know, totally jam out with all these awesome songs and then, you know, play some crazy ass story. Um I I <clears throat> so I mean I follow I follow games by music and then realize that I really like the games too. <laughs> um, lo- like, like, uh, I really love persona, the persona series. Um, uh, what's his name? I forgot the guy's name that does music for that. Um, but it's, that's a fantastic series too. And, uh, really cool. Like, like combinations of hip hop and, uh, and, funk and jazz and uh it's so great um and uh i really loved the pokemon games when i was younger so like i i really love everything the pokemon company does uh i think it's kind of hilarious that they keep rehashing the same games uh especially like the first gen like they keep making the same gen again and um but it like always kind of captivates me and I always want, I always want to get it. So I think those kind of games are just fantastic. So I really like, uh, stuff, stuff like them. I'm, I'm like terrible with developer names though. So I don't, <laughs> I don't really know, uh, who's like, yeah. <clears throat> um, and, and now actually I feel like I appreciate development a lot more because I'm starting to understand like working on joggernauts. Like I started to really, like the veil started to come down and like, Oh my gosh, I think, I think I understand what's going on in this game. I, I understand like the systems and like that was pretty cool to like start understanding. And like, I don't think I realized before how hard games were to make. And, uh, and it, you, like you said earlier, um, uh, you know, off, off recording, yeah. um, the, it's a, like it's amazing that any game ever gets made because it's like absolutely true. It's insane. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So that's my nebulous answer for you. Excellent. Well done. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, it's 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 they're just as valid as the simple. Oh, Blizzard. Did that work. Yeah. Okay. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> I've got I've got a few of those, and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that either. Uh, but I've also had to, there's this one guy who makes a really weird game you should have him on the show that's really good as well it's cool um, so last question of the first half see you made it Ooh, just one oh more to go gosh. I know uh, I told you it gets worse though but this one I'm legally obliged to ask because it's a <laughs> podcast about video games so here it is what are you playing right now Ooh, what am I playing right now well, let's see. Uh, I'm playing uh, West of Loathing, which is actually oh. by the other Zach Johnson. Yeah, we um, we had them genius on, game on on a, as guests. Um, I met them at PAX West two years ago, I think it was. Uh-huh. Utterly brilliant game. Really, they really are the nicest freaking people too. The they the are. people who work on that are lovely people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and 
uh, what did I help? I just started playing something really. Oh, oh, I've I've been playing um, a couple of uh, small games on itch.io, and I found this one where you're. It's a combination race car fishing game, and you have to fish to get your fuel so that you can keep hitting your time trial things. So it's a tiny game, but it was just like so up my alley. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could. I don't have the name of it in front of me, but uh, oh, yeah, I just like. Gay. Yeah, I searched for like the fishing tag on itch.io and the, the screenshot of it. I was just like, what the hell is this? <laughs> I don't think you understand how up his alley that is. Like, right. he, every event we go to, if they have like a arcade or something going on, yeah. if they have something with a steering wheel, he's just in front of it playing oh, right. it. Or fishing. Or fishing. And then, or fishing. And then he, he fishes. He, like, he lives like. Two blocks away from a lake and fishes all summer. So you're the one on you're the one on the outrun machine, damn it! Oh yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. I'm still rubbish at it. After all these years of playing it, I'm still bad at it. I'm sure I'm doing. I know I'm doing the wrong thing, but I just like changing gear rather than slowing down. Anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, Tommy, what have you been uh, preoccupying yourself, distracting yourself with? So. Uh... I I also just finished West of Loathing maybe oh, a week or two ago. Um, really loved it. Like I, I really like Paper Mario, like that series. Okay, yeah. Very sort of, it scratched that itch that Paper Mario hasn't even been scratching in forever. Yeah, with a little bit more <laughs> satire. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I also, I mean, I just started uh, Pokemon Eevee. Okay. So that's what I've been doing too much <laughs> Tommy's never played a Pokemon game before this besides Pokemon Go though so I, I commend him percent not true Rob You're, oh whatever uh, I played, I played uh, white. you played white I played through Y oh okay I picked I'm up sorry. Pokemon Y when it came out because I'm like everyone loves Pokemon yeah. so something has always been in the periphery like as long as I can remember I should give it a shot, see why everyone likes it. And I was like, oh, this okay. is cool. Yeah. Well, you've never played the first game ever, which is basically what you're playing now, only <laughs> redone. I understand that, Rob. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't really understand Pokemon until this trailer for the Detective Pikachu movie, and now I get it. I'm sure you do. So I, yeah, people, people, Pokemon fans call it the Poketax. When a new one comes out, they're just like, oh, yeah. I'll get another one. You got the yep. same. Fine, fine. Oh, <laughs> you just have it. to get it. Yeah, you have to. I mean, <laughs> gosh. Um, I will say that uh, I, I'm still an avid Pokemon Go player since right. it. Yeah, came. he is. Yeah. <laughs> Do you see that on trains and buses around you know in, in London? Like, wow, people still pay that. Okay, I'll go back to threes. <laughs> see for that old toes adventure or odyssey now it's odyssey now okay. yeah i actually uh i made a conscious effort a while back to delete all of my social media apps from my phone right. because i would just end up like spiraling into depression reading headlines and just yeah. it's not everything it's awful not about social yeah. media yeah and i was like you know what what if instead of just being in a bad mood all day, I open my phone and like I just caught a magical creature. Like that's way more fun. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Yeah, that's so much better. Yeah, that is great. I see the appeal. Rather than yelling at someone you've never met over the internet, let's just count 
some mythical magical creatures. Yeah, it's not really a competition there, is there? I, my life is better now because I read <laughs> social media on my computer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Rob, what's distracting you at the moment, sir? Hmm. Well, um, I just finished uh, Undertale not that long ago. Nice. Fantastic game. Yes. Really liked it. Um, First half hour is a bit of a struggle, but I've been when you get over that hump, it's good. It's really good. Yeah, I I, I really enjoyed it. It was great. Um, uh, well, we went to Fantastic. Me and Zach went to Fantastic Arcade pretty recently, and uh, I found this game called Red Hot Ricochet, and oh, it's so fun. Um, okay. So when I, I have friends over, I play that. Uh, um, uh, let's see what else. What's that on? Uh, is that on all of the things, or is it... it's on Switch? It's on Switch. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah, it's uh, uh, you basically, it's like you're like a dot, you're like your circle with like a, a pointy. <laughs> Zach, how would you explain it? Yeah, that's about right. You're in a circle with like a, a stick coming off of you, and it's like a top-down yeah. shooter, but you can ricochet your bullets off of things. Nice. It's great. It's really fun. Um. And then I've been playing. Uh, I was playing Mario Party, uh, like with some friends too. I bought that. That's great. That was my first Mario Party too. Okay. Um, people don't realize that had... it has a board game in it. Most people think it's this weird little mini games. Then there's this whole upper, yeah, big board game. What the hell is this? Hey. Yeah, I mean, I knew that because I've like right. played it with other people before, and I was like, I might as well just get this one. Like, I need. To... I I love the Switch. Like, I'm like finding. I'm like getting the experience of, of like, the childhood that Zach and Tommy almost had because I'm like getting all these, you know, like Nintendo games for almost the first time. Like, I mean, I had a Super Nintendo and I was buying, you know, Super Nintendo games, but then I put it down and got really into PlayStation, and now I'm like super into Nintendo, and I've been, you know, really purchasing a lot. I'm still playing through. uh, what's it called? Um, Octopath Traveler. I was about to mention that. Um, yeah, that's a, yep, that's a still, great one. Can't find still playing through that anywhere, but uh, yeah, still playing your way through that. How are you finding it? I I really like it. Um, I just I got I kind of like I started playing it right in the middle of making Joggernauts, which is a terrible time to start playing games. But whatever, <laughs> I did that a lot where I'd start something and then I'd put it down. But um. I think it's I really like a lot of people complained about like the the stories not like lining up like the characters don't really you know like they're not they don't really have anything to do with each other but I kind of like that like that aspect I feel like it's it's really interesting to like I I think it's really interesting that they they have these like story arcs that are it's almost like they're just it's kind of like life where, you know, things happen in someone's life that you just don't know is happening and, but you're still together and you're, you know, it's like, you're just kind of weaving through life together. And I think it's really interesting. Um, and, uh, and I think the, the stories, the individual stories are, are really good. Like, I think they're, they're really interesting and, um, like they have tropes, but like, they're like a little turt, like a, a little bit of a, um, a spin on them that makes them really interesting. So, um, that game is really cool. Uh, what else have I been playing? 
You know, still, like this is not a, a shameless plug. This is actually the truth is that Rob and I have been playing the single player Joggernaut separately because we're oh, both yeah. trying to be the first to get to 100%. Yeah. There's like the whole second kind of quest of really well hidden, hard to get trophies. And but it's going to take us a while, I think, to get to 100%. Yeah. You have to like take frequent breaks so you I, don't I, lose I, your mind. I, I treat the uh, Joggernaut single player as training totally. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, so, yeah. Because you don't want to be that dude. But anyway, we'll talk about that in a minute. Come on. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm at I'm at 98% in Joggernaut, so I'm getting real close. Um, <laughs> and uh, and then I'm also playing. I'm still playing Fallout Four. Okay. <laughs> um, I gave up on Fallout Four very quickly because dog could get hurt, freak me out. Can't. It is scary. It's, it's like, I don't use the dog because of that. Yeah, it's scary. Can't can't have that. Can't freak yeah. me out. Which is a shame because uh, I love three, especially yeah. the, end, the ending of three. Well, not no, not the ending, the bit just before the ending, um, where the big giant things throwing nukes everywhere. It's hilarious. Yeah, um, <laughs> I never played three personally. It, I, I follow four was the first Prime. one I played. I remember Liberty Prime? Liberty Prime. That was his yeah. name. <laughs> uh, and I'm also game that I like played last night um, I'm playing Persona 5 still working through my, that uh, it's so long and the only thing I have against that is like the, there's so much talking it's just like insane amount of talking um, it's a character driven game yet it's a Japanese RPG who knew yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know it's it's really good but like the I spent an hour and a half just waiting through all the talking and I uh, just like I I've, I got uninterested to play by the time I had done got all through all the talking, but I I still wanted to know what they were talking about because you know like the thing I love about Persona games it's like always kind of a mystery, um, and so like I always want to know what that mystery is, but at the same time they just keep talking and talking and talking. There's so much VO in that game; it's really incredible and impressive. It's a really well-made game, um, but. Um, yeah, I think that's I think that's all I've been like picking up and putting down. Um, oh yeah, you we do like the light stuff, don't you? <laughs> yeah. Well, Octopath Traveler, Person of Fire. I know. Yeah. yeah. These like R- huge RPGs. Yeah, I'm just picking up and putting down. It's like, RPGs, oh man. Like, what are you thinking? I know. I don't know what I'm thinking. I really need to get. I really need to get into more indie games because they're so much faster to play and Shorter. so much more. Yeah. May I recommend threes? Anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, that's the end of the first half. Well done, yes. lady. Thank you. Now we're going to delve deep into Juggernauts into the second half.
so, already. First question isn't a question. Regular listeners will know. It's actually a request because we can't talk about a game until we know what it is. Ah. So, please tell us, one of you, I don't mind which, what is Juggernauts? Juggernauts is, well, first of all, it's a runner. It's a runner game like Bitrip Runner or Mario Run or Cannibal. Um, but you are always, there's always multiple characters on the screen. Um, it's ostensibly like a party game or a game to play with your best friend. So like you imagine two colors of players running through an alien universe and you have to switch places with each other to put the right color at the front of your group to manage uh, color-coded obstacles that are coming at you in these platforming levels. Um, it's like a lot of screaming colors and to get the right person in front um, in uh, a lot of a lot of failure, a lot of messing that simple like I mean all you do is you jog, you jump, and you switch, and you're gonna manage to still screw it up a lot. Oh yeah, it's it's uh, rubbing your head and your, your stomach at the same time, over yeah, mm-hmm. and over again. That's basically what it is in video game form. Whilst yeah, it kind of yell- feels like uh, yeah, almost like Bop It or Simon, you know, yes. like those like frustrating physical games where you're like, how can I not do this? This yeah. I should be able to do this. Am I an idiot? No, you're a human being. <laughs> you're a, a stupid primate. Get over yourself. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, so uh, it's a, like you said, it's an infinite, not an infinite runner. It is a runner, sorry. Uh, Altos Adventures is an infinite runner. That's what's Cannibal, or is Cannibal. Um, yeah. Which amazingly they converted to the Commodore 64. Don't That's ask. true. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, I, I, I've actually played it. It's, it's not bad. It's all right. It's a bit slower. Anyway, um, so the thing is, it's running along. You, you, you're just different creatures in, in, in space land. Some of you wearing space helmets, some not, because you don't need to. And that's great. That's all good. Some of you have legs, some maybe not. Uh, that's good too. Um, we're not judging. So, what I wanted to know is that. It is a, you have to have timing, exceptional timing uh, in some cases. I mean, the courses get harder and harder, but I just want to ask, how did you develop the timing for each course without turning it into a, a, a car crash? <laughs> well, I think it still is a car crash. But, <laughs> um, the, so the way that I, I do level design in Joggernauts is I do it as pixel art, essentially. I work in Photoshop. Every pixel is a unit of time because, like, you know, it, it's a constant running speed, so you know how long it's going to take to get from A to B. Um, and I, I just space all the obstacles out, you know, in this pixel grid where the pixels are time, and I, and I know from, from you know, frequent playtesting and stuff, like, how far you can push it. Like, how close can these two things be or far apart to not – break this particular challenge for two players or for four players like it was important for me you know to make it so that everything has a right solution where it can be done without losing a life now that might be extremely hard to the point where people are like that's bullshit like you cannot do this without killing someone but it is always possible um i just didn't always get the the perfect learning curve in there to teach someone how to do it right every time but and then like the forgiveness comes in and having extra lives um you know and even having extra teammates can be to your advantage since um in a two-player game if if you're ever both dead at the same time it's game over even if you have life left so um you know three or four player game can be you can kind of um fumble your way through some stuff that you can't in two-player 
Um, but yeah, it was it was just knowing what the rules mechanically of the game are let me kind of grid stuff out and then play with the spacing for for difficulty. And then you have to understand the interplay between the jumping and the switching because it's a bit like Portal or something. It's a teleportation, and so there's some like you know fun that happens with momentum in that teleportation. And so you have to kind of when you're level designing be like. Okay, but if someone's going to jump and switch, like where are they going to put the next person, and are they going to be able to recover? Um, so it's pretty heady the the level design. Okay, yeah, I think that answers that. Yeah. Second question: Have you ever considered increasing the player count? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> well, Sally, what would we do about? Uh, colors and stuff if like how would you know people be able to tell who the heck they are and have enough colors on your beautiful colored backgrounds to still be able to differentiate everybody like i feel like that's a, a big problem tommy would have to solve yeah i mean yeah. The, the character colors were locked in first and then we developed all of the environments around them knowing what we had to contrast against um which is why the first world has so much orange in it because that was the like one of the only color set against everything. Um, I think we, I mean, we've joked about adding more people, but I think it's a, it's a hardware limitation too. Like how, how many people have four controllers, let alone like eight. Yeah. yeah. Um, I feel like there's diminishing return there. It is a two button game though. So you could, you could buddy people up and have like, two humans on one controller and you know you could squeeze a bunch of people in that way they wouldn't have to ha buy as many pieces of hardware oh that would be insane <laughs> well, I, I, I knew this is a very controversial question that's why I put it in but I thought you know rather than saying oh why did you just have it why did you have four players no 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 much better why not increase the player count to I don't know 16 <laughs> Uh, and then the problem is it would degenerate into lemmings, wouldn't it, really? Just, you can't... <laughs> Who's that one? That's me, I think. No, that's you. So, you know, because you'd have would... to zoom out, wouldn't you? You'd have to zoom out. Yeah, I think it would be... <laughs> I think that game's unplayable, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> but it's... But Sounds really, the, the underlying point of the question really is, why is four the sweet spot, do you think? Well, well, in this particular in Juggernauts, well, I know why it is. Well, I believe it's a sweet spot, but why do you think it is? I mean, there's a there's a hardware like it's just a, a well, practical thing. In Switch <laughs> is you're gonna you know you're gonna end up with two controllers or four controllers. That's gonna be most people, and so you know it kind of that's more than anything. I think uh, why four specifically, and why not three or five? Hmm. I think. Uh... Kind of what you're getting at here. There's Joggernauts is actually, I would say, three different experiences. Um, there's the single player one where you control two characters yourself, and it's very much just you like being really good at buttons. There's the two player one, which is a like you and a partner are just like mind melded. And then I would argue that three and four player games are basically the same game, give or take, because it turns into a party thing where it's not just your relationship with one person it's a group and it's a group dynamic um and it turns into much more screaming and yelling and having fun as it's, it's more about the like 
shared experience of like, oh man, we're so bad at this outside of the game. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah, which I, I first had experience of, uh, <laughs> and continue continue to have first hand experience of. Thanks, thanks for that. It's great. You're welcome. Um, so next question. This is about accessibility. This one. How have you overcome color blindness with Juggernaut's design? So there is a number of factors built into the designs of everything. Um, we have red also always uses the number one throughout it. So everything has one eye. Um, the little pickups have one ring around them. Uh, it also incorporates circles. So the worms have circular patterns on them. All of the, like, everything has circles integrated into them in some way. Um, and then the same for the other colors. Like, there's a there's a square pattern. There's a, a triangle pattern and a diamond pattern. Um, so that was our sort of, like, here there are other keys to hook onto. Um, in practice, I have noticed that not everyone picks up on that. Some people, like, once you point it out to them, they're like, oh, and then they'll play perfectly. Like, we've been to a lot of events and play tested a ton. There's always, always someone comes up and asks about colorblindness. And for a long time, it was, there wasn't an answer. And then it was, oh, we put a different number of eyes on things. And then we evolved the shape thing as well. Um, I think once you know about it, it helps. But it's also not 100% foolproof. We do have an update coming out probably this by the time this thing airs, it should be live. And in that is a is a guest character who will 100% solve it for you as long as you don't have too many colorblind players. Okay. <laughs> it's um, it's yeah. a question I had to ask. You know, it's, uh, I know you get it asked a lot, but when you have a color matching game, it relies on people's ability to, to do that and some people do, do have that uh, disability uh, it's, yeah. um, you've got to recognize it very large Absolutely. number 10, 10% that. of men I mean it's a, it's a very big number one of our like most consistent play testers um, is, is colorblind so um, you know it's always been present in our testing like we've always been aware of it and um, you know we went back and forth about trying to do more like have a you know some contrast sliders or having like a character that's very different or something. And, um, you know, we went with this compromise that seems to like when it, we tested, it works well with people, but the, but the, uh, we may not have done a good enough job of informing people like that. It's there. They maybe don't realize that we've built that tool in, but, um, yeah, we're going to have a, a new guest character that really, yeah, that if someone can play as that character and they're going to have no problem whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> so let's move on to uh, my last question. I oh, know, you know, all good things come to an end. Oh no, we have so much fun. But um, this is something I wanted to talk to you about because that's the one thing, memory I have from this experience. Because when I first played Dog and Orders, with complete strangers. Um, since then, I've played it with friends and stuff, but. Uh, just there's an incredible sense of camaraderie between each player. And what quickly develops is those who are better at doing the hand-to-eye coordination support those who are less so. Put his hand up. Um, was, this, <laughs> was this intentional? 
Yeah, but it took us uh, some time to get there. It took us some time and some really mentored kind of feedback to get us there because the earliest version of Joggernauts for a, and for a long time, Joggernauts had some competitive elements in it. Like there was this meta game of of picking up collectibles, and then you that that everyone was like a neutral color, and everyone would fight over. And at the end of the level, it's like who got the most things, and um, a more competitive player would would even sacrifice a teammate to to win that meta goal. Um, and it really created this awkward tension. Um, and so we went through a lot of design iterations, like getting rid of every last competitive element that we could find. And the coolest, one of the coolest things that came out of that was that now the, those pickups evolved into these separate color-coded pickups that go into a shared pool. So you really have no visibility of who's been getting the most pickups, but each person has an individual meta goal if they want it that's not competitive and it lets a very strong juggernauts player um, have something extra to do and can be kind of the hero in a moment and, and haven't have earned enough for the team to, to do a checkpoint. Um, and, you know, it's like, we're always, we're always thinking about that. And it's interesting to watch teams, like whether they play silently or whether, you know, someone kind of fulfills that uh, like leader role and helps coordinate and shout out colors Um but I mean, we've always wanted a game that's being played like off the screen between the people who are playing it just as much as it's on the screen. Yeah, and it's definitely that sense. I mean, when I was playing it, and the, it's, like, people saying, "Oh, blue!" they would yell my color. Right. <laughs> blue. But, yeah. I'll play yeah, it's like this it. desperate, yeah. like yeah. you know, you start out with like informative, like blue. Yeah. It is your turn to yeah. do the thing, but then there's yeah. so. It's so fast yeah. that it's just like blue, 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 do something. I've got this. I've got this. Oh, wait, no, I haven't. <laughs> but you can try again. Yes. It doesn't matter. So you can try again. But no, you've definitely brought people together. And that's a wonderful thing. A video game to bring people together. Who'd have thunk it? Uh, it has. Uh, but in, in a physical space, of course, which is great. And more of these games. Are out now the the, the the you know the the overcooked juggernauts. Yep. align it with that and that kind of experience of. I said, put the onions there. Like, you know, <laughs> don't have that. Yeah, imagine imagine overcooked. If you literally can't chop the onions for the person, <laughs> and you just had they have to be the one to chop the onions. Yeah. That's juggernauts. That's juggernauts. Yeah, yeah. But um, it's out now on Nintendo Switch, Windows PC, and Mac. Uh, which I was very happy to see because my, my laptop's a Mac. So, uh, Woo! Yeah, Max. It, it can take a bullet and still keep going. Uh, <laughs> even though it costs thousands and thousands and thousands of pounds. It doesn't yeah. matter. It's still it's, it's a glorious, glorious thing. Um, but, uh, gentlemen, it's been fantastic having you on. You've been really uh, very uh, open and honest about your experiences making Doggonauts and your history and your influences. So thank you very, very much for coming on. Thank you so much for having us. Oh, thank you. And um, you're more than welcome to come back on to talk about whatever next venture you have two or three years from now when it's kind of finished. <laughs> we'll still, trust me, we'll still be here. We'll still be here. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but in the meantime, thank you very much, Zach, Tommy, and Rob. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks.